It's another Star Trek podcast. There could never be enough of this one's about humanities and also gay stuff. That's all you need to know. It's time to start the show. Engage, Mr. Data. Come on, let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Subspace channel dedicated to Lavender Alert, a humanities podcast about Star Trek. Uh, broadcasting in the Alpha, Beta, Gamma quadrants, coming soon to the Delta quadrant. I am your first host. My name is Dylan Reed Miller. I got a, a master's degree in queer media studies, and I wrote primarily about uh, uh, unintentional gender queerness in Star Trek. Uh, and I have tons of thoughts about it in terms of its philosophical stuff, gender studies. Uh, and so this this is going to be a passion project for me. I'm very excited to kind of explore these concepts with you guys uh, and get everyone's feedback on them and, and facilitate this conversation. Um, and I'm Kate. I'm the co-host. Uh, I am not an academic or uh, particularly knowledgeable about Star Trek, but I do really care about this kind of discussion about talking about media and why it matters, how it matters, the way that we interact with it, particularly as that, you know, pertains to LGBT things, particularly trans issues. Um, I'm a trans woman and, you know, my lived experience is a huge part of how I know about these things, as well as listening to other people and trying to sort of understand how we all fit together and how we, you know, work as a community. Yeah, and, uh, and so this is our, our pilot episode, I guess. We're still feeling it out, um, but we're very excited. Uh, this first episode is going to be a, a response to an article, actually, that our friend Bella found on StarTrek.com. The article is titled, uh, What does Passing Look Like in the 24th Century? The article was uh, written and published a little while ago, but it's still important, we think, to address it and to talk about it because what they're um, discussing is very much a transition-focused view of being trans and this idea of focusing on the appearance and on the looks and on how there's differences between men and women um, and how those you know, differences are these dramatic comedic changes uh, when in reality that's not really what uh, passing should look like or does look like that's not what being trans is and the way that we um, engage with quote cis passing um, as a concept uh, is something that we really need to discuss yeah which i think is a real reductive i should be clear i i am trans also but i'm not a trans woman uh i'm butch non-binary sort of sphere yeah <laughs> um yeah it's you know apocalypse rising is about is about passing as a Klingon and Pell isn't even trans. Oh, but right, but we're gonna get uh, into. Klingons and and the sort of uh, the thing about passing is that uh, obviously we use it in the context of uh, gender and and trans passing and passing as this, um, but it doesn't just have that context of gender. There's also such thing as as passing in terms of race and and culture and being white passing and. Um, the, the discussion of Klingons and, and passing kind of fits more in that context and doesn't really um, relate to passing in terms of gender, which I think is uh, something that we should mention. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not clear in the article whether or not they're using passing as a broader 
discussion, but the rest of it seems to focus on gender. So the Apocalypse Rising stuff is very confusing yeah. to me. So I think it's important to mention just in terms of like, we don't really need to cover that because it's not relevant <laughs> and they didn't need to mention it. So yeah, yeah I don't think we're going to cover that part of the article too much just because it's not really relevant. Yeah, no, we're much more interested in talking about Prophet and Lace and about Pell. Oh, God, um, yes. There's a line that says, I have such fondness for and such resentment toward our old buddy Pell. I think you're right that it's kind of hard to talk about transition as a single unidirectional process in DS9 when instantly transformable surgery is accessible, affordable, and universal. Mm. Maybe it's more correct to say that transition is unremarkable in that context. And... <sighs> I don't understand what, how Pell relates to that conversation yeah. at all because Pell was not a trans man. If anything, Pell vibed like a butch lesbian living as a man for safety, a la so much Yeah, boys. definitely. I mean, because Pell doesn't do any, the, the only, like Pell wears the, the fake ears um, to pass as a, as a male Ferengi um, in order to escape the like horribly sexist <laughs> society that, that, uh Ferengi have um but yeah so she can so she can oh yeah she doesn't represent a like a trans men because she never genuinely expresses any kind of desire to identify the man or she she never talks about it in a way that that is something she wants um she only she lies about it she's like Mulan in that sense of like she she's doing this for a purpose but she doesn't actually want to be a man she doesn't identify as a man she isn't a man she's just quote passing like one in order to escape the horribly sexist society um but she she's a in canon a heterosexual woman and she doesn't yeah that's who she is that that is very clearly her identity yeah and that's kind of the result i think of treating trans experiences as the experience of passing like it just totally removes all the nuance of identity into what do you look like to me oh absolutely you know? yeah the idea that because you know they they look like a guy that that means that they are a trans guy that that isn't accurate yeah yeah so so Pell doesn't really represent this and Apocalypse Rising represents a different kind of passing that we're not really qualified to talk about, I don't think. Yeah. And I'm not really interested in having a conversation about here. Um, so we're going to narrow the conversation and we're going to talk about the episode Profit and Lace because in the article, they seem to really like it. <laughs> uh, and I think we have a very different opinion on that. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, I think that they, they definitely critically enjoy it. Um, I think it's kind of mentioned sure. that they don't fully like it, but they do like it still. And that's something that I can't quite relate to uh, as, as a person who has For seen sure. that episode. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to run through the episode and we're going to talk about why it shouldn't be held up as even like, for the time, you know, like yeah. even then it's not, it's not worth trying to recuperate this episode as a trans. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that. Because it will just do. Yes. Yeah, no, there isn't really anything there worth reclaiming. No. Yeah. Like right off the bat, the very first scene of the episode is Quark harassing his employee and trying to get her to do sexual favors for him. Yeah. Which like, 
uh, that <laughs> well, going into it, that's never a good place to start if we're trying to recuperate a trans narrative. Like, let's that's yeah, not... yeah. That plays into a lot of harmful stereotypes about the reasons that women transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the idea of the accessibility to women and yeah, it's... yeah, bad look, very bad very look. bad look. But you know. It's it's also it plays into uh, what I think we'll talk about later is sort of the punishment uh, narrative of it, the idea that like what yeah. happens to Clark later is punishment for being sexist, um, and that's not really yeah. great either. Um. Yeah. So so he blah 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 harasses a woman. The Nagus comes to the station uh, with uh, with Clark's mother, and they're gonna have a meeting with. Uh, Counselor Nilva, the CEO Slugga of Slugga Cola. Cola, to try to con- Slugga Cola, the slimiest cola. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and they're gonna try to convince him to get on board uh, with women participating in commerce on Ferenginar. Um, yep. But Quark gets in a fight with his mother. She has a heart attack, and they don't have a woman. To talk to Nilva. Also, important to Uh-oh. note, that is the second time that Quark harasses a woman in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so, uh-oh, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to force feminize Quark. Yeah, which... Like you said, as, like, punishment for his... Yep, it's... Well, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's narratively described as because he is good at business. And so he can he can get this done. Yeah. But like it's, it's mentioned eh. later uh, that like because Ra, Ram would have been a better choice, but you know it's him and this whole thing. Well, but Ram's not a good business person. We'll talk about yeah. Ram oh, we, yeah, I love talking about Ram. <laughs> we'll get to Ram. I love Ram. Um, so let's talk about the the way that they change oh, God. him. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to talk about it. <sighs> they pat him out in a way that it's does not make him look more like a woman no, at all. Yeah, they it's a caricature more than anything else. They kind of uh he he looks a lot like those those uh little creatures from Spy Kids with with the weird dimensions, honestly. <laughs> they <laughs> They they pat out his hips, which is, you know, obviously people think women, you know, have larger hips, but to like a comical degree. Like Yeah, and the big shoulders. Oh, exactly. Too. Like that's not what that's not what Armin Shimmerman yeah, looks like. Yeah, like that's that's an important thing to note, is it's a huge thing to note, is that they pat out his shoulders. They make him look more masculine. Um, because the the sort of joke there, the comedic, the irony, is that the audience, he doesn't pass to the audience. He passes in canon, but not to us. And that's what's supposed to make it funny. And that's what makes it funny when he gets hit on. uh, So. Yeah. In the same way that the joke with Pell was, oh, ha, ha, Quark thinks a gay is hitting Mm -hmm. on him. The joke here is, oh, ha, ha, they think they're hitting on a woman. Yeah. But we know it's not a woman. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The the, the irony there is. Yeah, but like way worse because all Pell had was mm-hmm. the ears. Oh yeah, and it's what it's worth like, noting that for Pell, with when she quote passed as a man, 
all that she needed was a pair of fake ears and that was fine and no one really questioned it but for quark there had to be a whole thing with with coaching him but also with surgeries with changing his voice hormones as well as the ears so it this is um double standard there that in fiction doesn't really make all that much sense but they did it because that's what makes a joke um and that is kind of how it is in real life too the standards for um, transmasculine people versus transfeminine. Um, there's a, a lot more on transfeminine people to go through all of the, the steps and the procedures, whatever, before we quote pass um, in a way that yeah. is very uh, unbalanced. Not that it's good either way. Sure, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to carry it away here. But yeah, yeah. No, no. We get it. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it's, and it's almost like the capacity for the Nagus and for Nilva to sexualize him is like a part of him passing. Oh, absolutely. Like it's that's what's shown as his like, like he's passing because they're hitting on him. Because yeah. he's being sexualized. Yes. Um I think you Which I think is is very dangerous. Oh as god, well. yeah. I, I think you mentioned something about like uh tweeting out some pictures, uh some screenshots of comparisons of like um quark in, in the the oh, shoulder yeah. pads and hip pads as opposed to like uh moogie uh you know oh yeah. oh yeah yeah sure uh yeah you can follow us on twitter at lavender alert and i'll and i'll put up some some footnotes i suppose yeah you should were. obviously uh, follow anyways but there you go there's a reason <laughs> please follow us I've, yes i've now created a reason for people to flock there so you're welcome that's a little uh, yeah. Thanks, babe. You're a master of 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 the plug, I the am. social media plug. Plug master. Also, if if it wasn't clear, we are dating. I don't think we've mentioned it, but yeah. that is probably worth mentioning. It didn't seem relevant, I but mean, I do casually call that's you babe. True. So I, I mean, that <laughs> could just be how you are. That is a little bit how you are. Anyways, we are getting very that distracted. Um. <laughs> that's okay. But podcasts are sold on personality. Yeah. Also, so. you just edit all of this out anyway. <laughs> Uh, we'll see if I do or not. Um, my, fa- my favorite podcast, Behind the Bastards, has an ongoing joke that you can't edit audio. <laughs> so I always, I like yeah. that. I'm not going to steal uh, Robert Evans's bit. but Well, you can't just edit this out and no one will ever know. <laughs> they know you can't edit anyway, audio. And, and... <laughs> um, and, and this, this exaggerated masculinity goes even so far as his woman name i guess yeah oh god yeah they name him yeah which it isn't you might notice that's not really a name um yeah no it's and that's that's because they named him that because of his quote lumbering gait that they had to correct because he walked like a man (sighs) which yeah yeah, there's this overall, I think, essentialization of gender that pervades this episode. God, yeah. Like, even as it pretends to be some sort of, like, gender bend, whatever, which... Yeah, every gender bend anyway, is like, like that, yeah. <laughs> well, if you look at, if you look at yeah, any gender where... bend, there is this exaggeration of, of sexual traits and, um, like, you know, gendered traits and this idea of, like, oh, well, you know, this is what men are, this is what women are like, and look, that's... A, it's it's very it's all very well yeah it's very very and it goes so far as to essentialize like 
behavioral traits too because at the end of the episode not to skip ahead too far but um at the end of the episode he he goes the the woman who hears harassing at the start comes back and is like oh i read the book i'm ready to give you umox and he's like oh no did i say that oh god i'm too empathetic now because i have hormones yeah. oh. oh no will you give me a hug oh, oh. <laughs> and it's like huh yeah. I wish what? I could just skip to the I, end I, of that episode anytime. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and it's this it's this very dangerous opinion that men can't anyone assigned male at birth or whatever can't be empathetic or mm-hmm. you know, sensitive or anything. Yeah, uh, the idea of Which is like some turf bullshit, the, you know? And the it's socialization. Like, huh? I the idea that because Quark has now been socialized female he's more understanding and he's more uh, just in general able to connect with women and know what it's like to be a human being. I guess, hum- uh, Ferengi being? Ferengi I being? guess, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, and, and that's something that the article actually mentions that, uh, that sitcoms do this and they sort of mention it in a positive light. But the idea of it being like a... Uh, a, a chauvinistic character goes through this thing where he has to live how women live and because of that he comes out a better man and a better person and um it's a very common sort of uh trope um and it's not something it's a not something that's true to life um obviously but it's it's be just not it's not really accurate in any way and it's something that like when i when i I mean, when I first came out, but even still now, um, and I want to sort of go on this tangent about it real quick. Um, I, uh, when, when I would experience things like when I would get harassed by, by men or when I would have people comment on my looks apropos of nothing or, you know, just not listen to me when I had, you know, important points at work that I was trying to bring up. A lot of cis women would tell me like, oh, welcome to womanhood, sweetie. And it's like, okay, I get that. But like, I've been affected by misogyny before. This isn't like a new thing. And also like, this isn't like, it's not like I wasn't aware of these are bad things. It's not like I wasn't aware these were things. These are, you know, um, the, the idea that you don't truly understand womanhood unless you have to walk a mile in heels is something that is very, like very like wild, widely believed despite not being truly, accurate because women you know can look like anything and not every woman gets hit on but every woman still understands misogyny yeah for sure there's this the way i see it as an outsider Mm -hmm. to the uh to the experience of trans women is there's this sort of robbing of the capacity for empathy and understanding from amab people yeah uh, to the plight of women that is then applied doubly to trans women because it's like, oh, you're, you're trying to have this experience, but you can't have it because you weren't like us when you grew up. Yeah. Which is obviously all patently untrue because trans women are socialized as trans women. Yeah. Which (laughs) is a fun uh, category. No one tells you about that exists uh, where you, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you kind of just get shit on a lot. Um, But yeah. And then also a lot of experiences too, like, um, uh, uh, people sort of try to act like uh, it's only, um, you know, cis women who are sexualized when, like, cis men also do get, like, 
sexual comments and, and get sexually harassed a lot, like not as often, but it does happen. And it's, it's not impossible for a cis man to understand that and have the capacity to have empathy. But a lot of times it's painted. For sure, like it comes, can't. for sure, it comes down to this same sort of essentialization of like, oh, women are like essentially good and could never harass a man or like, oh, yeah, you know, exactly. assault a man. Like, it's these, it's these polarized divisions, I think, that are very dangerous to everybody. Oh, yeah. But for some, but well, not for some reason. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. <laughs> not to play my political hand too far, but like, we know we, why. We do. Um, we do. Yeah. We'll get into that uh, in the next part. We're going to talk a little bit about philosophy and stuff. Um, but to move on to our next point about the episode itself, um, we were going to talk about this scene where Quark proves he's a woman oh by <laughs> opening up his dress. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Yeah, that that's something that like it's it's a joke, but it's a it's a joke that like isn't all that funny, and I really don't know what was going on in their heads when they wrote that. Like, yeah, I mean, I've heard that um, that Sidig, who directed the episode, wanted this episode to be a lot more serious than it was, yeah. and if that's true, I don't really know. But if it is true, I respect him for trying. I will say that's not an entirely high limbo bar there. That is kind of, no, you no, know. But... <laughs> it, it's laying on the ground. I just want to... Yeah, no, it's important to note that. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if it was the writers or the producers or who, but somebody told him he couldn't is what I've yeah. heard. But regardless, somebody thought this was funny. Mm -hmm. uh... Oh, yeah. Ooh. Um, it becomes this kind of... It plays into the narrative of like the the high scrutiny of trans bodies. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Especially in the framework of passing. Like mm -hmm. if your body varies too much from the image of what your gender is supposed to be, then you get clocked and you get harassed or whatever. Regardless of your actual like assigned oh, yeah. gender. Which is about half of what passing is about, is because you know, half of it is is dysphoria both like social and physical and, and for yourself and half of it is so that you don't get harassed walking down the street you know and you don't get misgendered constantly um and you know and, and so this like the the idea that you know um in order to, to pass like that's what you do you know you show you're a woman uh, it's yeah which i think plays back into like the um, the sexualization of trans women as a category yeah you know very much so yeah um it's you know i've never i've never been asked to bare my breasts in public in order to show that i'm a woman but i've had people try to feel for my chest hair i've had people try to see if they can notice like my Ugh. you know my beard hair or you know see how my jawline looks which is a weird weird thing a lot of people are weirdly into phonology these days and like i just Ugh. can we not anyways but like yeah the, this this idea no, yeah. of you know like oh how you know how wide are your shoulders you know how wide are your hips what size are your feet that's, a, that's another sort of common trope there but these ideas of like you know these are ways that you can clock someone you know 
Um, and so these are things that we have to cover up. You know, we have to put makeup on these spots. We have to wear clothes that um, conceal these these areas. You know, these, these things and try to pass. Um, that's a scene that kind of just highlights that like passing thing, like you know, in headlights there and like. Yeah, the, the sexualization. The, the of attitude it. of this episode is is passing is the way that you exist as a person of a, a different gender from your birth gender. Your yeah, birth. and and that with surgeries, it's trivial, you know, and su- surgeries and this coaching and you know and all that, but um, it's something that you can just you know, in in the future, people can just switch genders at will, but they have to be socialized too. Um, you know, in order to pass, uh, there's this weird sort of um, narrative there of of what passing looks like. You know, if you want to use the article title there, what passing looks like. Um, if you want to use their definition of passing, which is sort of divorced from gender identity and you know being trans. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to use an ident- a passing as just being um, cross dressing as well then, you know, that's what it looks like, I guess. But uh, that's not really... Well, and I think you said you, you looked at the Twitter of one of the article yes. writers. and, and, and I... She's from a very different sort of generation of trans people. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about that real quick. Um, the, uh, you, you notice this as a trans person, I think, especially as uh, when you interact with people in your local circles, especially as opposed to just online, because online, you know, you kind of gravitate to groups and like minds. Uh, But when you meet up with other trans people, like in person, you notice it's very stratified with this um, sort of divide, this generational divide, but it's not just by age. Um, That's one of obviously the biggest ones, but um, one of the sort of biggest uh, reasons for that is because this here is, absolutely shitty representation but for a lot of people it was the best they got you know rocky horror picture show was great representation relative to the rest of what they got and so they clung to they cling to these ideas and they they kind of make them out to be more than they are because they kind of imprint on them um and, and these things become very important to them and that's that's valid and you know you we shouldn't say like, well, you know, it, we're going to cancel you because this thing's part, but we need to make sure that we, if we enjoy something that should be enjoyed critically, you know, like enjoy. Crit- we're having the proper exactly. conversation. Around. Exactly. And, and it's, we need to <laughs> yeah. remember that it's okay to be like, I enjoy this thing. This thing is objectively kind of shitty. And <laughs> that's how I feel about Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> there you go. Well, the only good thing about it is the <laughs> the big blue man, um, and you know, and his quantum leaping husband. Um, but you know, that's a, that's. I'm sorry, I insulted your showstop, Acula. I love you so much. <laughs> he really does. He really, really does. Um, but uh, but yeah, but um, so I think it's kind of important to mention like these these sort of generational divides and um, uh, what. Well, it's, it's these different ideologies and languages around the trans experience, yeah. like these sort of outdated for our sort of ideology. We no longer talk about things as like female to male, male oh, to ha-ha. female, because that doesn't represent the way that we understand ourselves as gendered subjects. Yeah. 
but I think you said you saw on her Twitter that that's kind of the way that she still relates to the construct of, of things, yeah, right? as well as um, uh, a focus on um, the there was an article that she shared someone else wrote and I forget um, exactly who wrote it, but it was about how um, uh, cisgender heterosexual men who date trans women are a part of the trans community too. And, you know, and, and they shouldn't be excluded from that. Um, which on the outside kind of might sound good, but it's important to note that those people, which um, generally we refer to as chasers, um, which is sort of the more correct way. To... Like the Negus and Nilva. In this yeah, episode. exactly. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is a good thing to hold in your heads there um, because the chasers are uh, not, not great. Uh, it's 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 they're the kinds of people who write these episodes. <laughs> they're the kinds of people who who yeah. like this idea of sexualizing Quark in the the wide hip and wide shoulder pad thing. The idea of of trans women as sexual objects, and that isn't every single yes. um you know uh, cishet man who dates trans women. There are definitely uh, ones out there who aren't chasers and, and who aren't um who don't have this this fetishizing view of trans women it's just uh somewhat uncommon but also like um it's important to recognize that that doesn't make them they aren't special for not being super shitty like the the fact that they are yeah. <laughs> will they are willing to open their hearts up to date a trans woman isn't something that they should get a parade for that's just like a basic thing that like everyone is capable of doing and yeah no i'm not i'm not suddenly part of a community of trans women because i'm exactly you. that doesn't change who i exactly am. and so like i'm still fully capable of perpetuating trans misogyny and stuff and i have to be wary of that and i'm still subject to the wariness of other trans women i would say yeah definitely i mean um i i don't bring dylan into the trans woman only spaces that i am part of because that that doesn't that's not a good idea <laughs> it doesn't um you know even though he's amazing and he's great and he hasn't hurt me and i don't think he ever will but i, I i'm getting off t topic here uh just because i'm very i'm very <laughs> gay but um the it's it's kind of important to, to note that that is not that shouldn't be uh um, seen as a miracle um and and it shouldn't be seen as a great sacrifice on their part um they're just loving a woman that that a lot of men do that um and so and i don't want to try to make this sound like i'm we're trying to shit on this this woman um i disagree with her on a number of points here um respectfully i i disagree with her respectfully um but i do very much disagree with her um we're we're just talking about the like ideological differences between schools of trans thought. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, trans ideology. Did I already say the word ideology in a sentence? I don't remember. I think anyway. you always say the word ideology in a sentence, but uh, it's very important to say the word ideology. The, the sort of contextualization we have around being trans, the idea of it being a medical issue, the idea of it being a choice, the idea of it being a, a physical transformation. These are all differing ideas and there's more of them out there as well but definitely i get the sense that the the authors of this article are very much of the opinion that it is at least in large part a physical transformation because their view of quark in this episode being 
um, passing as trans. And, the experience exactly, of a trans woman. He doesn't, but he goes through the transformation. And so I think it's very important to note that uh, view, their, their sort of uh, textulation of what being trans is, is flawed and not up to date. Um, it's very much uh, kind of set in this older um, idea that was kind of set by um, medical professionals, uh, people wa who sort of wanted to come up with an idea for why it was a medical thing and why it could be cured, why it could be, you know, and, and this idea of like, well, you know, you take hormones, you transition, and then that's how you fix being trans and um, as opposed to it being just some people are trans and that's okay and it's 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 the difference between trans being its own its own isolated or not isolated it's not really it's but it's it's the difference between embracing transness as its own individual experience versus trans being the end goal of being the same as yeah cis. oh god yeah yeah exactly and so yeah. that's why you, yeah. I think one of the biggest um, noticeable differences, one of the biggest noticeable differences there is the fact that is sort of the use of FTM, MTF language. Um, that's very focused on the transition uh, focused view of it. The idea of becoming as cis as possible. Um, should we talk briefly about Ferengi gender politics as a broader sort of topic? Ooh. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> that's a fun topic to bring uh, yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that thematically what the Ferengi are Maybe, okay. supposedly representing is humanity's past. I think it's brought up in one episode. I don't remember which one where Cisco and Quark are talking and Quark's like, you were worse than us. Like, we're doing all this for money. You just did it. You just had wars for fun, ah. you know? And so they're supposed to be this sort of like, what were people like back in, in our present, sure. you know, their past. As if presence. we didn't have all those wars for money. <laughs> well, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, which is um, less honest about it. But I. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Um, but I think that. But I think that's, that's part of how they constructed the the Ferengi's gender uh, gender politics is because they were looking at the present and going, let's exaggerate this and then criticize it. Yeah. Um, you know, women can't wear clothes. They can't leave the house. They can't make money. Um, mm. The problem comes in where their liberation is being able to participate in capitalism to the same degree that More female CEOs, girl um, power. More female CEOs. And, but, and I feel bad acting like that's just a negative because I don't know whether or not it's supposed to be satirical. I mean, I, I get um, the, the, the being able to own property and being able to um, not depend on men for survival is something that, like, is necessary, at least when you live in a capitalist hellscape, like, they do and i don't know like we do um but like yeah the the whole female ceos thing is something that is like i yeah yeah i mean they 
I'm just super unclear as to whether or not they're saying that that is a uncomplicated good thing because I think they're also very much making fun. At least the Deep Space Nine Ferengi. We're not going to talk about the next gen Ferengi because they were probably supposed to be an anti-Semitic stereotype. I'm not 100% sure, obviously, but that's always how it vibed to me. But in Deep Space Nine, they made them very interesting. So I like to talk about them there. Um, because they're supposed to be this sort of exaggerated critique of capitalism, I feel like. I don't know for sure, obviously, what the intent of writers were when they wrote them, but I can't be, sh I can't know whether or not they're playing into liberal feminist stuff about more female CEOs or whether or not there's, you're supposed to be like, it's kind of silly that that's their end goal is to be equally as kind of slimy as I the men. I feel like it's, it might be a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I feel like the Ferengi are less sure, supposed yeah. to be like a, a satire of capitalism so much as of crony capitalism. And I say that in heavy quotes. Um, <clears throat> but this idea of like capitalism gone, you know, gone to the extreme, gone wrong, you know. The, um, yeah. Because there's this idea, I think a lot of people um, don't realize, there's this idea of capitalism. Capitalism raises all ships. Capitalism is a good thing. Capitalism as that, that's why charity exists. Which is a hugely flawed view of capitalism, but it's one that persists. Um, and so when people yeah. look at Ferengi, they don't say, oh, that's capitalism. Oops. They say, oh, those are greedy, uh, you know, people. And they're, they're the bad. Exactly. They're the bad capitalists. And they're not the good capitalists who could, you know, donate some of their money to charity. <laughs> like, because charity is a dirty word. Char charity is, um, Charity is Quark's safe word. Oh, God, please don't. <laughs> Which I'm not making up. Oh, That's no. I, you could have let me believe you were making it up. <laughs> please. <sighs> this is fun. Although maybe that was a fan fiction I oh, read. Oh, baby. I don't, remember, but I think I it's don't know show. which is worse. I, I literally don't know which one of those two <laughs> things is worse. <laughs> Look, Quark and Odo fan fiction is cute. Baby. One's a capitalist and one's a cop. It's... I don't care. <laughs> They're cute. So I think this discussion of Ferengi gender ideology flows pretty nicely into sort of the way that Star Trek as a whole uh, is supported by a humanist philosophy. This is a lot of what I wrote my thesis on. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I'm an expert in. Here we go. <laughs> um, Star Trek, generally speaking, uh, is underlied by the understanding that the individual is the base unit of society and that they exist in a series of hierarchies and categories that they can be individuated mm -hmm. into. Um, I would argue Picard is probably the... Uh, what's the fucking word I'm looking for? Um, he's probably the, like, greatest example of that. He is this, like, great diplomat. He's, like, he's out there. And it's the power of his, you know, his will and his speeches and his brilliance that they get things done and they change things, okay, you know? Um, well, maybe so. <laughs> um, and my thesis was about post-humanism and queerness, but... That's not relevant right now. We'll talk about that in a different episode. Absolutely. Sure. You um, will. Knowing you, you will. 
yeah. It'll be good. It'll be <laughs> well, good. We're going to do, do a whole episode on the Borg. And I think the Borg are the, the prime ideological villains of the series. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but I think how that ties into this conversation is um, the same is very, very true for Ferengi. And uh, because biology is like essentialized in this way by the episode, mm-hmm. Any any boundary crossing stuff can only be played for comedy because it's violating the core philosophy of Star Trek, um, or at least the the you know in a sure. philosophical yeah. sense. I would say the core the core philosophy of Star Trek is infinite diversity and infinite combinations, but <laughs> that's not really relevant. Yeah. It's also yeah we can yeah. no you're right. It has its own issues, and we can talk about that at another time as well. But what I mean here is we're going to get around to Rom oh, now. Oh, goody. Because, because throughout the episode, Rom proves himself to be very empathetic and understanding mm-hmm. and sensitive to sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term, his feminine side, you know? Yeah. He is, he is not a masculine man. He feels no shame as to being different and uh, sort of violating these understandings of, what men should be but like the, everyone else and every time he does it it's yeah, every, a laugh he feels every no time. shame but everyone around him does for him uh yeah he he starts doing the coaching of quark on how you should like walk and talk and whatever and he does a little like sit and everyone like kind of looks at him funny mm-hmm. and it's like huh yeah and it's because there's this very enforced gender conformity even as you're trying to play with the concept of gender in some way yeah but you can it has it to, has be, to yeah. be for laughs it does um but i mean you notice that like it's fine for for women to do more masculine things um uh not always obviously sometimes it's not not right at all but um you know like he, uh the woman you know i mean kira's a, a badass and she does some really cool things but um, I mean, for one thing, Garrick being a tailor is something that's kind of just a little joke, jokey thing, and you know, that's just a minor thing. But you know, and when Rom is feminine, that's looked down on, and and the same for pretty much any other character. Um, the idea of men being feminine, you know, is something that's not not okay. Um, yeah, because because for humanist philosophy to be the dominant understanding of uh, human, and I guess in this case Ferengi and alien interactions, everybody has to be uh, completely isolated, individuated into hierarchical mm-hmm. categories. Uh, and so any sort of boundary-crossing identity or behavior becomes a threat to the capacity of society to isolate people from each yeah. other also you could we're playing our hands yeah. we're, we're playing our hand very very out there throughout this episode True. also um, you can i feel weird just outright defining my politics on here you but can it's easily located you can also so. just say human frangi we, we made up frangi frangi are fake you can you can say human baby you don't you don't have to worry uh, yeah, about upsetting sure. the frangi in not... the audience you can you can just say human. They're they're all actors under the no, makeup. No, but I just. Well, and I, I'm joking. No, but I but... think it's 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 relevant to it's relevant to talk about 
the particular species that do fall under these sort of philosophies because i'd say the borg again which we'll get to in a different episode and uh and trail oh god (laughs) Uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute which we're going to talk about in a minute right not right now there are species that sort of live on these boundaries and that's okay i just like teasing is demonized but they still do but okay. Also, I mean, also, I do think um, it's important to note that like all of these things, because like you were saying, like um, Star Trek, I mean, it's about these aliens and it's about this diversity. But at the core of it, core of it, it is this humanist uh, philosophy. And it is this I mean, all of these things are facets of human humans and humanity. And that's what uh, Star Trek exists to kind of show is, I mean, even back in the original series, it was a lot of this like, hey, here's a planet where everyone is this one political party or, you know, here's this weird monolith of a society, you know, I mean, um, and they were all based on some kind of human society, usually from like, you know, the the 20th century. Um, It it was all, you know, but what I'm trying to say is that like all of these things, Star Trek, I think uses these aliens in order to try to discuss humanity um absolutely and so yeah. like you know obviously i was just teasing you but but i, I did also want to say that like um for all the talk they make of ferengi you know being different than humans the misogyny that the ferengi have and i think you talked about this earlier i mean it, it is very much supposed to sort of resemble represent human misogyny um, and the fact that they don't really address that so much as make fun of it, um, d- 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 they could have done a lot more with that. And I think Siddig probably wanted to. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and humanity, too, is made into this sort of monolith by most of the Star Trek oh, yeah. properties. Uh, in particular, I would say Deep Space or not. <laughs> in particular, I would say, in particular, I would say Next mm-hmm. Gen has this sort of overwhelmingly imperialist uh concept of earth is a utopia now because we're all on the same page and that page is white western Mm, culture you know then that's that's what we all are now you look at jordy and he has no sort of background culturally like he's black but what kind Mm -hmm. like where does he come from what sort of story and new space nine fixes that to an extent because Cisco is given a very strong uh, sense of culture and relationship to where he is from. Yeah. You know, we, we see his dad's restaurant. We see him cook his, cook his cultural foods. Like, these things are very present and relevant in his life. And, that, and, he, and he refuses to erase sort of the, the, the conflicts of the past. He goes, oh, no, black people were oppressed. This is not what Las Vegas looked like in this time period and i wouldn't have been welcome there so i don't want to play your little game where we've just forgotten all of the suffering that my ancestors went through and so that's why i think well first of all that's why deep space nine is the yeah star trek yeah <laughs> not to get too contentious on my star trek podcast that i want <laughs> you to listen to but but i think at least politically deep space nine goes the extra mile to say something more interesting yeah. because it doesn't cloak everything in metaphor it's not just, oh, these aliens sort of resemble a human society that used to be or, you know, that is current in our present yeah. time, you know. But it's like, no, 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 no. Even in this future where Earth is a paradise, 
that was still built on this oh, pain. Yeah. This stuff is still real and present. And and that I'm I'm writing a whole essay about this for an anthology. If you can't so tell. I'm not gonna play yeah. my hand too much because I want you to buy my work when it comes out. Yeah, here's, but a little, anyway. here's a little teaser. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you, you mentioned to me that, that that's the, the reason why Deep Space Nine can do that is because they were kind of overlooked and, and they didn't really have people, you know, producers breathing down their neck the same way that the other Trek shows it's, did. Yeah, it's my firm belief that Deep Space Nine is as good as it is because it was part of a franchise and was not going to get canceled. But it was at the time the least popular of that franchise because it was on at weird hours and it had these like sort of broad serialized plots as opposed to the episodic nature of the original series and of Next Gen and a Voyager. It's, it's, it, it's an outlier. And it was very much ahead of its time in that way because now we're in the age of, you know, the golden age of television, no, the prestige oh. era. I mean, that was like a decade yeah. ago. But either way, um, Sto- t- stories on television have become these sort of grander narratives. Deep Space Nine was on the cutting edge of that, but because we didn't have streaming, <laughs> people got lost in the yeah. story. Um, but but that's why it's the that's why I think it didn't have quite the oversight that the other shows mm-hmm. had is because it was they were like, oh, it's the weird one that like nobody's watching anyway. So they, I, I, this is all like <laughs> my conjecture from what I've like read and understood about it. So, <laughs> oh yeah, people people haven't come to your podcast for your conjecture, not at all. <laughs> well, I just feel weird because I know you know I'm Facebook friends with people who have, who worked on Deep Space Nine connections, you know, baby. It's, it's a it's a yeah, well, whatever. It's just it's just weird to be making these conjectures about it because somebody really could be like, no, that's not true, and that'd be very strange yeah. for me. Anyway, so, you know, disclaimer, not, you know, not could not be true. But sort of bringing this back. Um, I mean, you can kind of see what Oversight can do. I mean, in that um, Siddig wanted this episode, Preference Lace, to be more than what it is, which any amount, any degree of better would have been much, much better. <laughs> uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not confident it would have been good either way, because I, I think the other writing not, is the no, same. But, but better. But I think if it had at least been treated with some care, that this was like a conversation that was being had rather than just like a yeah. joke, it might have at least been an episode like um, The Outcast from right. Next well, Gen, which is, I'm, this is, <laughs> this is contentious territory as well. People really, really like that episode. I think, and I wrote in my thesis, mm-hmm. that that is an episode that really uh reaffirms the sort of humanist narrative of hierarchy because the one genderedness of that planet Mm. is offered to the audience as unnatural yeah like they've 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 perverted their natural state of being um to have this one gender and so this 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 alien who does have a gender is punished and, yeah. and you know forced back into the like the single well, gender uh system mm-hmm. when it's just it's her natural state and she should be yeah. allowed to be and it's like of course she should be allowed to have the gender that she has yeah. see but, well that's how that's how but, i see um but, <laughs> you know the binary gender is with that same sort of sense of revulsion and alien wonderment of like well that's weird <laughs> you have, wait you have two just two i don't know no. Only That's two just unrealistic, you know? 
backwards thinking, man. Backwards so, thinking. So, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, but it's this sort of reaffirmation that the correct state of being is to have a binary. And if you have anything else, it's like wrong and unnatural and you should go back to the right way to be. But I also think that that episode opened up a lot of conversations about conversion therapy. Mm. I've heard a lot of stories of people who like watched it with their parents and their parents like sort of understood that maybe sending gay and trans people to conversion therapy isn't a good thing. You know, so I think as much as I philosophically disagree with the episode, I think that it at least offered something politically that was useful. Whereas I don't think Profit and Lace does no. that, but maybe if Siddiq had gotten his way, it could have yeah. done something similar, even though it, I still wouldn't have maybe. agreed and with I, episode, well, you know? Okay, I can fix Profit and Lace in like one sentence. And I think I, I, I told you this. <laughs> I'm sure that you can. Uh, Shoot. They find Pell and she does the meeting instead. That, that so would be true. so God. much. Please come back, if Pell, they, I love they, you. They found a woman who was gender non-conforming already by that point because, you know, she wasn't uh, a a man, but she was gender nonconforming. You know, um, she did kind of buck the trend before yeah. you know before Moogie. Well, it, timeline's messy, but uh, before we knew about Moogie, I think. Um, but uh, she, I don't know what order was this yeah. episode in. Keep going. Um, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> but uh, but Pale is someone who we've met. We have been established. You know, this is a Ferengi woman who's. This is a Ferengi woman who's you know doing business and she's got a good head for business i think she's better than quark i mean i'm biased obviously because i'm a gay woman and she have is you, i, mean, I think Pell, that's canon come on it's all, also not that hard to be better than quark i mean it's just his main competition <laughs> is like rom so he doesn't really have a lot of i know the f- the funniest part of profit and lace to me is that they think that <laughs> is that quark who is regularly shown to be you know not like the classically good God, at business no. Ferengi. I mean, you know, he's not bad at it, but he's regularly shown to not have achieved what he wants yeah. to achieve. So the idea that he's the right option for this is the funniest he, part of the episode. He's spoiled a lot by someone who sleeps in a bucket, and he's like 10 years old. Is he 15? Odo. Odo. How Odo? old is Odo by that point? Odo, I think, is in his 20s when DS9 okay, starts. but before that. Which, right? Actually, I don't remember. Oh yeah, because because Quark because Quark lived on the station. Yes, during right, the right. He did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he was foiled yeah. by like a teenager who lived in a bucket. Odo is a very interesting character, um, and I I love that he lives in a bucket. If I could sleep in a bucket, I would. <laughs> and you know me well enough to know I'm not lying about that. Um, oh well, you're not lying. But uh, let's see, what's her first appearance? I've almost figured it out. Hang on. But uh but yeah, but Pell Yes, Pell appears before ha. Moogie. Uh but Pell yeah, um Pell is someone who sort of we've been established. She's a woman who who knows this stuff. She's already sort of been shown to be gender non-conforming, which is they wanted to address that in the the episode. They wanted to do something about um non-conformity and passing and stuff. That would be an, a way they could approach that without having the, the trans misogyny. <laughs> Um, that, that they had with the Quark subplot thing going on, whatever the fuck that was. Uh, main plot? I don't want to For get sure, into it. yeah. But, um, but yeah, but, um, and Pell was a, she was a fun character. I love her. Um, and I just think oh, that I she should have so been much. in there more. I, you know, but that's just me. Um, 
But yeah, no, I think they should just they should have just found Pell. Should have just had her be in the episode. That would have been way more interesting than this fucking circuit. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, what else did we um, want to talk about? Uh, well, and I think, um, well, I was gonna say I think that the difference in the way that Pell is treated in her episode and the way that Quark is treated in this episode really highlights the particular transmisogyny of these sort of humanist philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's because of the. I think passing as a concept slots very neatly into humanist philosophy because if you can if you as an individual can still fit yourself well into the hierarchy because you pass and are the equivalent of cis because you have transitioned in a way that is sufficient to the mm-hmm. you know the powers that be yeah that's not really a threat yeah you know it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't violate those boundaries in a way that uh I mean, obviously, passing trans women are still subject to transmisogyny. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, like, would... if, you, if your end goal is to be cis, you're, there's not the same aspect of challenging the necessity of being the equivalent yeah, of the... cis. If any no, of those words made I, sense, I, I, I hope they did. The idea of sort of a uh, non-threatening trans woman because... Um, this idea of like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're not one of those freaks. We're normal just like you. We just want to be normal. You know, I'm just a... I'm just a woman, a heterosexual woman. The, bl- you know, the Blair wants, White. Exactly, like Blair White, you know. Um, or like, honestly, like, like Natalie Wynn. Um, this idea of the... Woo, now yeah, we're getting contentious. Ooh, I don't want to get Woo. too contentious. Um, uh, <laughs> it's fine. No, God, no. But, um, but yeah, but this idea of a, of a non-threatening trans woman, um, a lot of times some trans women do sort of fit into that role out of safety. And I don't want to sure. slight anyone for that, because def- as a trans woman, I definitely get that. But at the same time, that doesn't make it, like, okay to, to stomp on trans women who are gender nonconforming um, and who don't fit in those rules. Yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, I think it's this difference of ideology. If you personally are most comfortable stealth, that's totally your prerogative, mm-hmm. no matter what gender you are, yeah. you know? If that's how you're... If that's how you're comfortable, then you'd live but your I life definitely, that way. The problem comes in when you're like, every, every trans person's goal should be to be yeah, like and, me, where you don't actually <laughs> violate any sort of uh, essentialized understandings of what oh, gender yeah, and looks I definitely, like. You know? like I, I've had, like, when I came out and um, like, was first sort of meeting with other trans women, uh, you know, in person and stuff, and I, I'm a lesbian and I I mentioned it and a lot of them who were trans women and like I figured would get it were asking me like, well, why didn't you just stay a man? Like if you're gonna if you're in a woman, why not and it's like that's such a silly question. And especially for a trans woman to be asking me, because you would think they would understand that it's more than just the sort of material things. It's 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 more than just like, you know, um, sexuality and it's more than just like how you fit in society the most normal um like for sure it's it's about who you are personally and um it shouldn't it shouldn't really be about how 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 you think you best slot into society i think that's a flawed way of looking at it for sure and the idea of like someone being a woman because they don't doesn't work for them to be a man is is not really a great narrative 
um, but it's one that's presented as as for why trans women exist sometimes, and I think that's not good. But yeah, I think that I think that the difference in the way that Pell uh, and tr- and Quark and Rom are treated uh, is really it's a stark contrast. <sighs> yeah, well, it's 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 the the built in sexism that compounds into transmisogyny. Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, when Pell tries to be a man, that's not really an issue because you know men are the men are the top of the hierarchy oh, gender wise yeah. rationally so, it makes sense of course you of course you would want to do that but when rom shows that he's you know sensitive mm-hmm. and observant and like sweet it's like oh why aren't you like a big manly man yeah. you know or i guess in ferengi's case why aren't you like a misogynistic right. business well, but, but that's the equivalent of being a manly man to them special so. As Lita puts it in a very patronizing way, which I love you, Lita. But please, honey. But that's 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 how it is. I know I love but, Lita too. But I, it's also it's worth mentioning um, that for Pell, they had to find some way to make it shitty, so they did do a homophobic thing in there with how funny it is that you know yeah. Quark is being gay, um, or thinks someone look gay. Quark, Quark is, is gay. gay. Quark <laughs> is gay, <laughs> but well. Yeah, but, um, you know, it's... I also accept bisexual quark narratives. Clearly. All I know is that he only dates women who beat him up. And yeah. Know, well, so. you know. It's just, there's a lot of women who want to um, beat quark up. So, like... Who wouldn't? I want exactly. to. So, I think what this episode illustrates to me is sort of the conversation about visibility mm-hmm. and how being hypervisible is very, very dangerous. And people treat visibility like some kind of end goal. Like, oh, uh, I've been recognized by society and that's good. And yeah. it's like, it's dangerous though also. Yeah, and thing. this is something that actually is really interesting to me, this idea of visibility, because in the community, it's a good thing. Outside of the community, it's a bad thing, um, generally speaking. Like, for instance, I did not know I was a trans woman until I met another trans woman. Like literally that the whole time I, I was, I didn't think that I could be trans. You know, I didn't think that it was a real thing. And then I met a trans woman and doors opened in my head and I was like, Oh, well fuck, <laughs> you know, fuck me. <laughs> um, but like that, some, uh, some cis hat walking down the street being aware that I'm a trans woman not a good thing in pretty much any context yeah and this is why this the conversation of passing is a very like a difficult one to have because again of course you don't want to be clocked on the street and become a target of violence but also the broader issue is that any violation of the essentialized norms makes you a target of violence to begin with yeah um and visibility in media i think is a big part of that Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of shows of deep space nine's era had this same kind of issue where they would have either men dressing up as women or some sort of caricature of a trans woman that provided negative visibility in yeah and it i mean uh, yeah negative visibility is one way i think um the the kind of like 
And I mean, and you sort of see it too with, um, I think a, a big example is um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, and I, I know this is not Star Trek, but uh, it's a very well-known thing. It's a cult classic and, and Frankenfurter is very well-known and um, it's, it's something that's incredibly popular. It's popular among LGBT people um, and among trans people. Um, but uh, Frankenfurter, which I mean, just from the name alone, like I want to die. Um, but the the actions, the portrayals, um, even the fact that you know he's going around in lingerie, um, he uh, he he does um, like have sex with people without their knowledge that it's him, and, and the, plays into the whole trap thing, um, which g- yeah. great love love that I said that word, um, but like. Uh, people sort of still celebrate him as like a uh, iconic trans figure, which is like so wrong, you know? Um, and, and so this idea of visibility of like, you know, the idea of it, you know, no such thing as bad publicity is, is very much not correct, especially when it comes to these kinds of things. Uh, because that's what, that's what people, that's their view of trans women a lot of times is they get it from media. You know, they see profit and lace and they kind of think that they know what I, a trans woman, go through. Uh, and they think that they know what's going on in my head and, and they think they know. Like, um, I, I, I've had a lot of people try to tell me that, like, they watched um, The Danish Girl and they totally get it now, you know? <laughs> and, like, I just really... Oh, my God. I never saw I it. I really want to punch some people. I never saw it either because I hated it. Just... I... I god um and and there's another one i think boy meets girl that is um slightly better because it does at least have a trans woman playing a trans the trans woman but so many things in that movie make me want to snap and like i had people i literally had cis people try to tell me that i a trans woman should watch that because i will learn a lot about trans people and I, I wish I was making that up because it's a really funny joke and it made my girlfriend laugh a lot. But that is literally a thing a person, another human being who presumably has a brain and thought said to me, again, a trans woman. And he knew I was a trans woman. And he told me that I should watch it so that I could learn something about being a trans woman. This is just so silly. And so, yeah, so this, <laughs> this, this visibility in the media, um, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks most of the time. I can't really think of like a positive media representation for trans women. Um, I think, um, I mean, there's probably been a couple of them. Did you ever see Tangerine? Oh, I, I haven't Tangerine seen Tangerine. I need to see Tangerine. I, I know Tangerine was good. I haven't seen it, but I know that was good. And Pose, obviously. Yes. Pose is good. Pose Pose is pretty good. I cried watching Pose. I need to watch. Uh, I, I can't. Billy Porter. I love you, Billy Porter. I can't I watch so Pose without crying, so I need to watch it with people so I can I can cry into someone's <laughs> shoulder. I'm not jo- I'm literally not joking. It makes me so no, emotional. I you. Um so yeah, so there are there are good, but those are I mean, those are uh trans people, um trans women particularly, I mean in those rules and, and um, I think with a voice in, yeah. in how it's written. And, um, 
that matters. Yeah. And that's, that's why those are good representations. Um, but those are also, uh, those are more recent or lesser known. And so, uh, or both. So a lot of, for a lot of people, Profit and Lace and Rocky Horror Picture Show are their main views into the trans community. And like, yeah, it's just, you know, that's not good. And we need to talk about this. And this is why I wanted to talk about this is because we have to talk about this. We have to combat those views and those uh, misconceptions about what it means to be trans and what it means to be a trans woman. Because, I mean, it has a real impact. I mean, media doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah, and I think there's two real ways to to have the conversation in a in a positive sort of way. There's these there's media that is made for the explicit intent of being positive content around trans mm-hmm. people. Yeah, you know, there there's Pose. Pose is a great show. Uh, highly recommend it. And then I think there's also I believe very uh, strongly in the capacity to gain meaning, gain unintended meaning from mm-hmm. media. Um, I am fully on board for death of the author most of the time. I think it's a complicated concept. I, w- but I would I say in, in this, very f- um, th- this episode of Profit and Lace, I am very much down for death of the author. Um. <laughs> yeah. But, but what I wanted to talk about was the Daxes. Yes, yes. Moving on to, a po- to positive representation of trans people. Um, accidental positive representation of accidental trans people yeah. is one of the most common ones out there. Yeah, because I saw, I saw an interesting post about this the other day where it's like a lot of people are writing from their... I don't think this is the case in the case of the Daxes, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. Uh, they're writing from the experiences that they've had with other people, and some of those people are, you know, an identity that that person didn't understand. I think this was in the context of autistic people, where, like, they'll write a character that reminds them of someone that they knew, but they didn't know that person was autistic, and then they're like, I didn't write this character to be autistic, but then they are, because they were based on someone who, you know what I mean? Like, getcha. Um. (laughs) Bazinga. Um... (laughs) Um... Uh, and I'm not claiming that's the case with the Daxes because obviously Deep Space Nine had a lot of writers and they weren't all drawing from the same singular point of reference. But I do think that very frequently media contains content that represents people unintentionally. Um, and it is our right to take those characters and make them ours. I think <clears throat> the Daxes are very interesting way to have a conversation about trans narratives and media yeah and i mean there's a lot of moments that are very that are very reminiscent of what it is like to be trans when jedzia meets uh curzon's old klingon mm-hmm. friends and they're like oh curzon and she's like i'm jedzia now and they're like oh jedzia my friend yeah. you know i've had that like, literally exact same experience i mean you know they weren't yeah. klingons um and i didn't have worms inside me according to my doctor but it was a very similar experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they are very, I think, because of this concept of like, I don't know, it's complicated because I think that a lot of trans people feel very differently about their life before they transition. Yeah, there's definitely. Because I think some people think of it as a part of themselves and some people think of it as something that they've put behind them and they consider something not. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, 
um, most of us, when we were 12, we were jackasses and we did jackass things and <laughs> we regret those things. And they're not things that we would do now. And who we were when we were 12 is a different person, even though it's the same person. That's kind of how I view like before I came out, I didn't really, I mean, I did jackass things, but that's cause I was like 14, like, you know, um, but like, uh, I was different, but I was still the same person. I just, the, the context yeah. was different. And, and um, it was mostly a lot of things that were sort of unspoken, unsaid, you know, to me, but, um, you know, to myself. But, like, mm -hmm. there, there is sort of a clear delineation for a lot of us um, when, we, uh, when we realized, when we came out, um, because a lot of times when we come out, there is a break from our family, from our, our friends, people we know. And for different reasons, um, Trill, you know, the, the worms, they have a similar break. They, they have a... They're forced exactly, to have they're, a break. They're forced to have that break. And, and um, they're, they're forced to not, con you know, talk to people and, and connect with people they used to connect with. And those are different reasons, obviously, than, than trans people have that kind of break. But we do have that break. And so it's a weird sort of um, thing we have in common. And it's something that I think it's, it wasn't intentional, but it almost seemed no, intentional no. with how, how interesting it is and how close it is. Yeah. I, I think what they did with the trill in deep space nine, cause like, like Ferengi, they first appear in next gen um, where Beverly Crusher dates a trill, uh, but in next gen, the worm like supersedes the uh, the body of the person rather than combining like they do in Deep Space Nine. The worm is its is is the dominant personality and it is the person that exists. And the worm goes from her lover to Riker, God. which is horrible and bad to look at. God. <laughs> and then and then a new host shows up and it's a woman. And then hey, they don't continue. I have a request. Um. Ugh. Don't say yeah. lover and Riker in the same sentence, please. <laughs> oh, I'll try to avoid doing that in the Thank future. Thank God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> anyways. But point like, being, point being, I think where they took it in Deep Space Nine, where it's like the previous life is still like a part of me, but I get to understand myself as a, a unique individual. Yeah it makes it so much more potent as uh, an unintentional representation of being trans because it's not that you're not who you were, but, but it's also not that you aren't influenced by the things that happened to you before. Which is among many reasons why Rejoined is one of the best uh, just episodes ever to watch. Well, because the, the narrative of... a a trans I mean e even if it was just sort of Jetsia as a trans person meaning someone who um she was with before she came out and there's difficulties there that's a very real experience that trans people have um as well as it being gay you know Jetsia wasn't enough you know wasn't a coward yeah, 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 yeah. she she was gay and a goblin fucker and that's really her main trait yeah um but like yeah but um Jadzia and Ezri especially um they they work as a good trans narrative and as a, sort of an example of what it it looks like to pass because physically whatever you know and I mean especially in uh, 
the time period that Star Trek is in, passing physically isn't anything. I mean, you know, they have holograms, they have surgeries, they, whatever. It doesn't, it's not really a fucking issue. Um, but the social aspect of it, the, um, the, the ties that she has, the people that she knows, and um, having to explain to them like, hey, I'm still the person you knew, but I'm also someone else. And I, it's important that you respect that and you respect me and acknowledge me as a person, as an entity. Um, you know, that it's important that they know that Esri is, they need to talk to Esri. They, they can't just pretend that she's still Jadzia. Um, you know, they're, they're both women. So, but it's still the same. Which is why Julian and Esri getting oh together God, was the worst was fucking so, possible idea yeah. for Esri's fucking character arc. Yeah. Um, and something that like, um, I, I wanted to sort of mention this because it, it's interesting and I think kind of sorry, it highlights how the Daxes are an unintentional um, trans narrative. I wanted to sort of mention this, bring it up, um, that uh, like a year ago or so, um, Den and I were in New York for some uh, gay Trek party thing. And, and um, we, we did that as uh, Kira and uh, I was Jedzia. Um, and uh, it was like for, a, it, it was a gay party. So there were a lot of gay people there, including gay men. And one of them said to me, because uh, I was just as Jadzia, like, hey, you used to be a man, right? Uh, let, you know, comment. Um, and like, the, the fact that that was like, it, he didn't know that I was a trans woman, I don't think. Um, it, that would have been an incredibly shitty thing to say. <laughs> Already, it was pretty bad. But um, I don't think he, he meant it that way. But um, the fact that that is something that was still sort of uh, because he recognized that I was Jadzia Dax, he made a trans misogynistic comment towards me. Um, it kind of highlights how, like, unintentionally, I think she is a trans narrative. And you still have that negative sort of thing and um, negative uh, visibility, um, you know. Uh, it can still be played as a joke when people want exactly. to Exactly. Oh, God. And they, they will. Um, and they'll find a way. But because she's a fully realized character, it also has this very yeah, exactly. positive aspect. Oh, and I think it has more of a positive aspect than a negative aspect. Um, and I think that we need to sort of recognize that positive aspect. And that's a good thing to do. And it's a good thing to be like, hey, this is an example of what passing can look like in the 24th century. I, I don't remember. Yeah, 24th century. Yes, 24th, yeah. yeah. Um, this is an example of what passing can look like in the 24th century. It can look like the Daxes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to just be based on a joke. Transitioning can be becoming a fully realized human, asserting yourself as a as a person in the world and uh, not disowning the fact that you're trans entirely or basing it entirely on whether or not you look like what your uh, heavy scare quotes supposed to look like as a as a cis person of any. Exactly. Gender, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the problem with passing is that lots of people have genders that you can't pass as because there's yeah. no uh, designated aesthetic for it. But that's a Ooh. a whole another conversation, and we've been talking. Yeah, about that's an a, hour that's a whole another episode. But yeah, yeah, we'll get gotcha. to that some other time. But yeah, like it doesn't. The I just can't get over the the I, Quark was not passing, and that was that was the joke. Yeah. No, and deliberately exactly so. he. Um, and really, really, if you have it, I mean, I don't encourage anyone to watch the episode under any circumstance, 
God. <laughs> we skipped it the first watch through because I'd seen it and I was like, Kate, you don't want to fucking And watch like this I've shit. gotten that before from people who have who have been trying to protect me, but like sort of underestimated what I can take. And I was like, probably it's not that bad, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh and then we we watched it in preparation for this. And I was like, oh God. Like, no, it was a <laughs> good thing. Like I I really like I have a high tolerance of bullshit, but like, dear God, it is so yeah. much. It is literally so much. Uh, but like, um, yeah. if you look at screenshots, and, and I mean, Dylan's going to put some on the, the Twitter, I think, um, of like what Quark looks like. It's not, it's not at all passing. It's, it's, uh, it, it's so far in the opposite direction. It's it's a, a cartoonish caricature, um, and that's just like it's it's silly, um, you know. And so, I I think I mean I I think what we're trying to say is this this episode is a is a plea for for all people to try to advance trans narratives in media beyond a discussion of what people look yeah. like. And to try to engage more with the lived reality of transness as its own concept that doesn't, its end result is not, I want to be a sister. Yeah, so- and, and tr- you know, get out of the box of like, uh, well, a, a character who resembles a trans woman is going to have to have been, you know, AMAB and is going to have to uh, be masculine and, you know, like, you know, that Quark situation and that's saying that, like, well, you know, Jadzia and Ezri are decent trans narratives. They aren't great. I mean, they for one thing, they aren't canonically trans women and they aren't played by trans women, but they are a better example of a trans narrative. Um, you know, but sort of uh, confining yourself. So the real point of the episode is please hire more oh trans women. Oh my god, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, and you know, and don't just sort of try to accept the crumbs that we've been given. You know, like get angry about stuff. Demand sometimes. better. Yeah, demand, demand better. better. Yeah. And and the final point that I want to make because this is something I'm very very passionate about. Don't 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 essentialize anything about mm. gender. We're not inherently anything. We're just people. You learned everything you know about gender because you were taught it by your parents and by the media that you watched and by uh, the people who told you what it means. All these definitions are things we made up. We get to define these words, and they don't have to mean what they've meant historically. Everything yeah, changes. It's a so- Let's change it. Let's change yeah, it for the It's better, a social huh? construct, like money, which also shouldn't exist. <laughs> We're really playing our political Well, we have to. But uh, that's fine. I already linked them to my Twitter, which has my political yeah. beliefs on it, so it's fine. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to this sort of pilot episode of uh, Lavender yeah. Alert. We were very glad to have you. We hope that you learned something. We welcome any conversation you want to have about this because we're just two people with our opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, we would prefer that you're trans if you're going to criticize what yeah. we said. But if you've got questions, we will definitely field your questions. All that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and if you have, I mean, if you have questions about trans misogyny, I can try to answer those. I, I, you know. Um, but if you are not a trans woman, please don't try to correct me about trans misogyny because I can guarantee you I know more than you do about that. Um, 
Oh yeah. So you can you can ask us those questions. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Lavender Alert and on Tumblr, I think, as well. Um we're on Facebook, I think Facebook.com slash lavender lavender alert pod. You can find me on Twitter at M-X-D-Y-L-A-N-R-E-I-D. Uh, you want to plug yourself uh, anywhere, babe? God, no. Um, I, ha- I, have a, I have a Twitter. Okay. I just don't use it ever, so I don't see a point in plugging okay. it. So if you've but. got questions for Kate, uh, we will just field them yeah, on. I am, I am on Tumblr, uh, Punky Poodle, P-U-N-K-Y-P-O-O-D-L-E. I think that's how you spell it. So we look forward to seeing you again, where we will talk about, I don't know what, we haven't decided yet. Um, and we hope, yeah, yeah we, we hope to see yeah, you then. Yeah, uh, we, we hope you had a, a fun time listening to the, the, the podcast that we kind of rambled at you for uh, two hours or so about capitalism and gender and why those things kind of suck. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I guess that's how I'm going out. Be gay. Do crime. do crime. I say See that unironically. Bye. Bye.